if you've been here the past uh, couple Sundays, we're in the middle of a series called Awesome. Uh, building or fighting for awesome relationships. How many of y'all know uh, relationships matter? Come on, when nothing else matter, that's what matters. I've, I've been around some people that, that were on their last, uh, the, the just a few days left before they're going on to glory. And the thing that they care about the most is not their boat. I've been around some people, it was a close second. Take care of my boat. Uh, we're going to take care of it all right. Uh, but what they're most concerned about, people, uh, is the people in their life. Their wife, their kids, their friends, their loved ones. That's what really matters. And uh, th th that'll be true for you. What really counts for you are the people that you have around you. And that's what makes life rich and sweet. We've been talking the past two Sundays just about friends. Everybody got friends. And uh, we've looked at, five, I gave you five reasons why friends are important. Why scripturally you need these types of relationships in your life. Then I gave you the six golden rules of friendship. That if you want to have these types of friends, the Bible actually tells you what to do. The Bible says if you want friends, you have to show yourself to be friendly. And we looked at just six commandments that if you'll do these things, they'll help you have friends. Because I gave you a statistic last week that 25 out of 100, meaning if there's 100 people in this room right now, 25 of you would say, I don't have one person that I can confide in that I could share my dirty laundry with that, that can see my, my flaws and my bad parts. 25 of you would say, I don't have one person outside of my family that I can truly confide in. I mean, I don't think that's sad. It is sad because God designed us to herd. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I like cows. I love cows. Oh, don't you just love, mm. oh man, I, I love, my, I, my grandparents, you know, always had cows, you go out and watch them catch the cows and cut the cows, boy, that was so painful as an eight-year-old, it's traumatizing watching them do that to that poor cow, uh, but get around the cows, and cows are herders, right, they, they live in a herd, sheep, they live, they hang out in a flock. And God designed us to be sheep of his pasture. God designed you to herd. And he designed you to flock. In fact, Jesus said, I'll leave the 99 to go get the one so that I can bring them back into the flock. Back into the herd, I'll go out of my way to get the person that's all alone, that has no friends, nobody to confide in. I'll give them the instruction. I'll give them whatever they need to bring them back to the herd. God designed you to be a person that's with and dependent upon other people. That's the way he made So this is just herd talk. Right, I've just been teaching you. This has just been herd talk the past couple of Sundays. And we're going we're gonna to continue because I told you last week where we're going now is there's certain people God said don't need to be in your herd. Certain people do not steer clear of these individuals. So I want to look at, there's four different types of people the Bible says you need to stay away from. How many of y'all thinking of somebody right now? I mean, I think somebody may be thinking about you right now. 
We don't like to think like that. But there's certain people, the Bible says, listen, you need to watch out for these people. So I want to give you some, some foundational core scriptures before I give you the four. There's a couple of things I want to show you. The first scripture is in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 33. It says, do not be fooled by those who say such things. For bad company corrupts good character. Bad company till the day I die. I mean, I remember that song. Steve does. He has a muscle car. <laughs> Windows down, peeling out. Bad company till the day I die. What's it say about bad company right here? He says, bad company corrupts good character. The God's word translation says it like this. says, do not let anyone deceive you. Associating with bad people will ruin decent people. Your association with certain people will ruin, cost you more than you want to pay. Now, I want to take a little bit of liberty here. And I want to, because whenever I start listing people that, that you don't need to be hanging out with, automatically we start making excuses. I mean, I know what I'm saying. We start justifying our relationships with them. But I've known him my whole life. But he's my boyfriend or she's my girlfriend. But this or but that. Or sometimes we'll go as so far and say, well, as a Christian, uh, we're supposed to be the light of the world. We're supposed to be the salt of the earth. We have to be around these people and hang out with these people so that we can affect change and we can fix them and, and we can make them better. But if you look, both translations I read you here, it says, do not be deceived. In other words, he says, we get caught up, and you and I, we get caught up in the deception that we can fix people. That we're the one that can save them, that can fix them, that can help them. And he says, it's a deception. He says, don't be deceived. If you hang out with and you spend time with these individuals, they're not going to come up to your level. You're going to come down to their level. I mean, how that makes sense. I mean, I've seen it before. You think, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Ralph to the bar to help him. Going to help him. Him and Sarah are having some problems. And then y'all both wind up in the pokey. You know what the pokey is. You both wind up in jail because you're helping Ralph. Ralph does not need your help. Do not be deceived into thinking that your, your job is to fix people. The Bible says it like this. He says, I sent them the prophets. I sent them my spirit. I sent them the word of God. If they won't listen to those, don't think they'll listen to you. And sometimes we marry people thinking, well, I'll fix them after I'm married. No, you're going to get divorced. It's just a fact. Or you're going to be miserable for 30 or 40 years. Your assignment from heaven is not to try and fix people. I'll give you one more verse and then I want to give you these four people. But I don't want you to, as I'm giving you these four, to start justifying. Well, I'm friends with them because of this. I'm going to fix them. No, I want to give you this verse in, in, in Galatians chapter 6. It says, carry, verse 2 and 5, we'll skip down to 5. It says, carry each other's burdens. 
And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Each one, verse 5, it says, each one should carry their own load. Now, if you read that, it doesn't make sense because the Bible, it says that we're supposed to carry each other's burdens. But then it says you're supposed to carry your own load. And you think, well, this doesn't quite make sense. So you really have to dig a little deeper and you find out that the word burden there is actually a word that means boulder or something heavy, something that's weighty, something that that, 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 that is heavy or, or bears down on people. The Bible says we're supposed to carry each other's big burdens. But then he says that, that each person is supposed to carry their own load. A load there is, is a Greek word that means knapsack or like a book sack. Book sack or it really means your daily rations. The things that you carry daily, your attitudes, your emotions, your financial support. He says you're supposed to carry your own load in that capacity. But we are supposed to carry one another's burdens. That means divorce is a burden. Cancer is a burden. If you get laid off at your job, that is a heavy boulder that gets set down on you. It's a bad report. I found out I have cancer. I found out my spouse is leaving me. I found out I got laid off and I've lost my insurance. The Bible says those are the times that we're supposed to come and help you carry that boulder. But your own personal load is what you're supposed to carry. In other words, you're responsible for your own attitude. You're responsible for your own emotions. You're responsible for basically your own financial support. In other words, you can't expect to get those things from other individuals. And you can't expect uh, them to, to want you to carry it for them. Like, let's say a book sack here. Like, this is my wife's book sack. Right, stand up, babe. It, how many of y'all remember, remember packing your book sack? First day of school. I mean, I remember college. Man, those books weighed a lot. Goodness gracious. Now, and I have me a book sack here. Now, if, if a big boulder comes upon her, the Bible says scripturally, I'm supposed to come alongside and I'm supposed to help her through that tough time. But she's responsible for her book sack, her daily rations, her own attitude. She can't depend upon me for her joy. Right? I can't supply her joy. I'm not going to supply all of the things that you're supposed to supply. Now, if I have my book sack and she had her book sack and I, and I tried to give her my load. That's my kind of woman right there. Whoop, whoop. Now, if me and her are walking down the road and I'm skipping and I'm whistling and I'm dancing and she's carrying what I'm supposed to be carrying... Right, That knapsack, that book sack, what is in there, that's my load, but I'm requiring her to carry it. What do I look like? I'm a pig, right? Look at you are a pig. Why? Why am I a pig? Well, because I've got her carrying something that I'm supposed to be carrying. I was in the military, and we had these 80-pound rough sacks. And everybody was responsible to carry their own ruck. Nobody, the only person that got, to, that got exempt from carrying their ruck was somebody that got shot. 
right? So if you get shot, now there's a boulder there. You need real help and real support. Outside of that, you're required to carry and pack your own load. What's that mean for us? That means for us, I'm going to give you four people that you need to stay away from. Thanks. I'm going to give you some people that you need to steer clear of. Why is that? Because if they go through something big, you help them carry that load. But it's not your responsibility to take care of all of their daily needs and necessities, their attitudes, their emotions, their support. That's not your job. He says, don't be deceived. They're going to bring you down. You're not going to bring them up. A couple of just core scriptures I want to give you real quick. How many y'all with me? 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12, it says, When I was a baby, as a baby I was speaking, as a baby I was thinking, and as a baby I was reasoning. But when I became a man, I have made useless the things of the baby. What's that mean? That means in every relationship, there has to come a point where you realize it's useless for me to keep going this direction. I used to go, I used to think, I used to act like that. But there comes a point when it's like, it's useless for me to think that this is going to be any different. I need to maybe start separating myself from these negative influences and situations in my life. Psalms chapter 26, verse 4 and 5. It says, I do not spend time with liars or go along with hypocrites. I hate the gatherings of those who do evil. And I refuse to join in with the wicked. Last one before I get to the four. Proverbs chapter 26 verse 11. It says, as a dog, as a dog returns to his own vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. How many of y'all have a dog? How many of y'all have witnessed this firsthand? Isn't that so strange? I have a dog, Merle the Pearl. He's a big old bulldog. Y'all want to know what Merle will eat? Anything. He'll eat anything. And I have witnessed him uh, illustrate, very, very kind of him, gave me an illustrated sermon of this, this very act right here. Right? He, and what's he thinking? He, he has a, a, a problem, but he thinks, I think I can keep it down the second time. I've got this under control here. So I'm going to return back to it and I'm going to do it again. Listen, sometimes in relationships and in life, we think if you saw a dog do that, you think, God, that is disgusting. What would make you think that the second time around is going to be better than the first time around? And here he says, that's foolish for you to think that way. And in relationships, there's things that you have to come to realize. You say, I'm, it's time for me, that's a useless thing, it's time for me to move on. Because we think, well, I've got this under control, I can keep this under control, I can keep it down. No, it's time for us to figure out, God, who do you want in my life? Who, do you, who, who is it time for me to move on from so that I can do what you've called me to do? The first person that God wants you to steer clear of, scripturally, this is going to be fun. Lazy people. Well, lazy people. The Bible warns us about hanging out, spending time with lazy people. Everybody say lazy. 
lazy people. The Bible says uh, you need to watch out or steer clear from lazy people. Now, I'm going to break it down into two different types of lazy. The first type of lazy is people that refuse to grow spiritually. In other words, these are people that, that walk down to the front of a church. They say, Jesus, I don't want to go to hell. Save me. And after they get born again and they've got their ticket to heaven, they refuse to go on with God. They refuse to press and to go forward trying to get what God has for them. And the Bible warns us, it says, you need to watch out for people that have become stationary in their walk with the Lord. Lots of times people, they embrace the person of Jesus. Why? Because he's merciful and he's gracious and he's nice and kind and he's my ticket to heaven. But they don't want to, 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 to welcome the principles of Jesus. And the principles of Jesus is what teach you how to live and be different and, and go forward and do the will of God. So you have to find people that are passionate not just about the forgiving side of Jesus but are passionate about going forward with Jesus. The the, the verse that I want to give you is in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. Paul writing, he says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, I press toward those things which lie ahead. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling, the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. What's Paul saying there? He's saying, I forget about what I used to be whenever I was a child, whenever I was a baby, when I thought about that. Now I'm pressing and there is a mark, there is a goal, there is a high calling of God in Christ Jesus and I'm pressing for it. And if you aren't hanging out with pressers, then, then, then they'll hold you back. So I encourage you, if there's lazy people in your life that aren't seeking God, you say, well, they can be a casual friend, but they shouldn't be your most committed friend. Your most committed friends, listen here, should be just as committed as you are. Listen, if you're committed to your marriage, but you're hanging out with people that are like, well, I ought to put him out. I'd have put his clothes out in the front lawn and I would have set them on fire. If they aren't committed to the idea of marriage and to relationships, then they shouldn't be your most committed friend. Your most committed people in your life should be just as committed to the things that you are as you are. Because if you're, if they'll mess you up. They'll mess up your commitment. The most committed people in your life they should be committed. Listen, we all have casual friends. Casual friends happen because of coincidence, right? Coincidence, you befriend me on Facebook. We go to the gym together. We pump a little iron maybe. These are casual coincidence relationships. But your committed relationships are there because of choice. And I'm not telling you that you can't have casual relationships with these types of people because you're going to, right? I have lots of casual relationships with people, but my most committed people, they're just as committed as I am. Spiritually, you want people that are, that are pushing for what you're pushing for. Second, First Peter chapter 2, verse 2, it says, Like newborn babes, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will, what? So that you'll grow.
Into what? He says, into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment. The people that, that, not your casual friends, but your committed friends, they should be people that are crying out for the word of God. They say, I want to grow. I don't want to be the same this year as I was last year. I want to go forward. Lazy, spiritual people. The next kind of lazy, we all know this kind. They won't get a job. I mean, I have friends like that. None of y'all? Good, good, good for y'all, good for y'all, good for y'all. But lazy, regular, old lazy people just means that they, they, don't want, they don't want to work. They don't want a job. Fourteen times the Bible says in Proverbs that there is this person called a sluggard. And that we should stay away from the sluggard. How I many of y'all know what a slug is? Me and Noble were playing with some slugs uh, last week outside the house. This is what we do for fun at my house. Play with slugs. You want to know the best, the number one characteristic of a slug? He's slow. They don't move, right? He's a sluggard. And the word here in, in Proverbs, sluggard, just means habitual laziness. Have you ever met anybody that's just habitual laziness? These, are not, these can't be your most committed friends. Fourteen times Proverbs talks about the sluggard. And I can't read all 14 verses for you. Everybody say amen. I'm not going to read all 14, but I'm going to summarize what, what type of person the sluggard is. You've got it in your worship guide. They don't like to start. They like to procrastinate. How many of y'all know anybody like that? I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. A sluggard, they don't like to start. They refuse to take action. They won't finish things that they start. Once they finally start, then they won't finish. How many of y'all seen the guy that put the wax on the car? And then he drove around for like three months with the wax still on the car? I mean, I know that guy. That man needs to get that wax off his car. So they'll finally start, but they won't finish. Sluggard. They don't like to face things. Number four, they create excuses even while they justify their laziness. Number five, they're dishonest about problems and they blame people and circumstances instead of taking responsibility. Well, the reason I don't work is because of this. The reason I want is because this. It's my mama's fault. It's the government. It's this. I stubbed my toe. I got an ingrown toenail. My back hurts. My head hurts. Everything hurts. Can I borrow $5? Everything. I mean, just constantly, constantly, constantly. They're chronically lazy. They're always making excuses and saying why they can't be what they're supposed to be. It's somebody else's fault. Says you need to watch out for those individuals. Jesus hung out with prostitutes. He hung out with sinners, but he did not hang out with lazy people. Jesus was always on the move. He was always on the go. For three and a half years, he turned the world on its head. And he got people around him that were world changers. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, it says, For we hear that some among you walk in idleness. They're not busy at work, but they're busy bodies. How many of y'all know any busy bodies? Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ. To do their work quietly and to earn their own living. Here, they're writing to Christians. I mean, I know not all Christians are good examples. Here, Paul is writing to the church. He says, I'm hearing that there's Christians in your midst that they, that they aren't putting forth any effort. And they make Jesus look bad. We should be the hardest, most diligent, most excellent people on this planet. Because we have the greater one living in us. You can't expect to hang out with unproductive people and get productive results. You can't expect 
to hang out with unproductive people and get productive results. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 29, it says, Do you see a man skillful in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 30 through 34. Solomon, he says, I pass by the field of a sluggard, the habitual lazy person. He says, by the vineyard of one with no common sense. And, and it was all overgrown with thorns and the ground was covered with nettles and its stone wall was broken down. And I saw and I considered it. And he says, and I looked and I received instruction. He's looking at this person, their vineyard, unorganized. The walls, the defenses are down. And he says, why is it like this? And he says, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands. Poverty will come upon you like a robber and will want like an armed man. How I many of y'all know if you've ever been robbed? Hopefully you've never been robbed. But they come up to you, they say, put your hands up, stick up. This is a hold up. This is a hold up. The way the Lord showed it to me is, listen, people like this, they'll hold you up from doing the will of God. They'll hold you up just like an armed man. They'll keep you. From going forward. The first person the Bible says we need to stay away from. Is the sluggard. The second person we need to stay away from. Is people that are chronically habitually angry. Controlling. Abusive. Angry people. I'm not talking about people that don't get angry. I get angry. And say things at times I shouldn't say. But there is a spirit of anger. That the Bible says you need to stay away from people. That have this spirit. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 24 through 25, he says, Don't hang out with angry people. Don't keep company with hotheads. Bad temper is, a bad temper is contagious. Don't get infected. The second person the Bible says that we can't hang out with is he says, angry people. Why? He says, it's infectious. In other words, it'll spread. Anger, the spirit of anger, it'll actually infect you and infect the people around you. Listen, we want to affect people. We don't want to infect people. And anger infects. And there's two reasons why people get really angry. Uh, number one is they're, they're chronically negative. How I many of you have been around somebody that's chronically negative? I, I inherited a million dollars. You know how many taxes you have to pay? What are you talking about? I just told you I inherited a million dollars. But they're always chronically negative. No matter what you say, they're negative. Listen, you can't hang out with negative people and expect positive results. You can't. You can't attach yourself to negative people, even if it's your mother. You cannot attach yourself to negative people and expect positive results. Another reason why people are chronically angry is because they harbor unforgiveness. You can't hang out with people that carry, Jesus said, a, a, a bitter root of unforgiveness. Because if they carry that unforgiveness, then they stay angry. And angry people, they infect things. If, if you're a spouse or if you know somebody, if you're people, they're always angry. They're always on edge. They're always, uh, th th they have this spirit about them. Listen, your kids are going to talk to their spouse the way you talk to yours. Are you okay with that? Your kids are going to talk to their kids the way that you talk to them. So if there's this spirit of anger there, it's going to infect and it's going to spread. And here he says, listen, you need to get it under control. Proverbs chapter 29 verse 11 says, A fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. 
Ecclesiastes 7 verse 9 says, Do not be quick in your spirit to become angry, for angry lodges in the bosom of fools. What's lodges means? It just means that it takes root. Unforgiveness takes a root. Bitterness takes a root. Anger takes a root. And Jesus said it's like the sycamine tree. If you ever study the sycamine tree, it's great why he said that. Sycamine trees have more going on underground than they have going on above ground. In other words, the roots of a sycamine tree are greater than the top of the tree itself. So in other words, you can have this root of anger and bitterness and you can put a smile on your face. But when you get home... There's this unforgiveness and it just affects the whole house. The things that people can't see when you're at the grocery store smiling at everybody. If you bring it home, you're going to infect your kids, affect the people around you. Abusive people raise abusive people. Abusive employers, they wind up having bad work environments. Abusive parents raise abusive parents. You have to watch out. Not have these type of people around you. The third person you have to stay away from is the immoral or the tempter. How many of y'all got one of those friends? They're always trying to get you who you used to be. Remember that time? Let's go back here. We'll just go one more time. Let's, let's, just, let's just. And they're always trying to get you to the club or to the place. Or it's that boyfriend that's trying to get you to go all the way. They're always trying to push you over the line. Over your boundary, they're trying to get you to go somewhere that you know you shouldn't go and to be something you know you shouldn't be. And if you're always hanging out with them, don't be deceived. You're not going to bring them up. They're going to bring you down. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 13, it says, The woman, folly is loud. She's seductive. She knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house and she takes a seat on the highest place in town and she calls to those who pass by who are going straight on their way. This is what she says. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, Stolen water is sweet and bread eaten. In secret is pleasant. We don't talk like that, but y'all know what she's saying, huh? She's trying to get your butt in there. Why? Because she's a tempter. And it, she'll ruin and wreck. She wrecks ministries. She wrecks lives. She wrecks futures. She wrecks kids and families. Says if you hang out with these people, eventually... It's going to be bad for you. First John chapter 3 verse 8 it says. Whoever makes a practice of sinning. Is of the devil. That's kind of pointed. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. But the reason that Jesus the son of man appeared. Was to destroy the works of the devil. You can't expect to be led by the Holy Spirit. And hang out with unholy people. You can't expect it. it. says you need to watch out. The last person that you have to steer clear of. Is a chronic unbeliever. I'm not talking about somebody that has doubts. I'm talking about there are people. That just they just don't. I don't believe God could do that. I don't believe that. I don't believe God still does this. I don't believe God feels that way. They're just a chronic unbeliever. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 14. He says do not be unequally yoked together. With who? Unbelievers. He says for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness. And what communion has light with darkness. You can't be yoked. You can have casual coincidence relationships. But he's warning. He says you shouldn't enter committed relationships with unbelievers. Don't be deceived. You're not going to bring them up. 
they're going to bring you down. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20, it says, Walk with the wise, and you'll become wise. Associate with fools, and you'll get into trouble. I don't understand why this always happens to me. I could probably tell you in about 20 seconds. All I got to do is look out, look at who you're hanging out with. I've sat with a lot of people at council. I don't know why this always happens to me. Well, I see the knuckleheads you run with. Well, praise the Lord. Numbers chapter 13. Very famous story is God said, I've got something for you. There's a promised land just over the horizon. I've got something for you. And he told Moses, he says, that land is yours. He says, send 12 spies into the land. Send them in there. Spy out the land. I've given you this land. Twelve spies go into the land. They come back to Moses and they say, Moses, we found the land and it's a good land. It's fertile. It's a land flowing with milk, a land flowing with honey. Two of the spies, Joshua and Caleb, they said, let us go up at once and possess the land. Ten of them said, we can't go up even though it's a great land. It says there's giants in the land. They'll squish us like a bug. We cannot possess the land. Two of them said they were believers. Ten of them said we can't do it. We're unbelievers. The two that said that they, were, that they could do it, they made it into the promised land. The ten that said they can't do it, they died in the desert. Numbers chapter 13 verse 32 it says. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out. And they said the land the, through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And the people who we saw are in great stature. Listen you need to hang out with believers. You can have casual relationships, but your most committed relationships with people that believe God. I believe God can. I believe that he's able. I believe that he's good. I believe that he's merciful. I believe that he forgives. I believe that he's got my best interest at heart. I am a believer. Those are the people you attach yourselves to. I want to give you uh, uh, just, uh, and I'm running out of time. But a couple of boundaries, if you need to set some boundaries, because all of us run into these people and we have to sometimes we have to set some boundaries and we have to say, this is the line. I don't want you to cross it. Have you ever had to lay that down before? This is the line and I don't want you to cross the boundaries. I mean, I I can't finish it. I don't think it's going to take a a few minutes and I don't want to I don't want to cut it short. Because this is, this is where it gets, it's kind of tough because you have to, you have to make a choice. Am, are we going to go forward here? The, the first one is, and you can write it in your, in your, in your worship guide, there's four of them, is don't go there. That just means uh, don't get yourself into the situation, right? What's the worst place an alcoholic can go? Thank you. To the bar. Right, So if, if you don't want to cross that line, then don't put yourself there. Now listen, if the situation comes to you, how many of y'all know sometimes situations come to you? How many of y'all ever had somebody on Facebook say, oh, and you used to date them like in 1993. Oh, so good, we're friends on Facebook now. Uh, do you think maybe we should get some coffee? How many of y'all know this is happening all the time? All the time, this I have very good friends of mine that served alongside us in ministry. They had adopted a kid together. And some old girl from his past befriended him on Facebook, and he up and vanished, moved to Shreveport, left his wife, his adopted kid, a baby, a little bit of baby, because of why? 
just somebody on faith, the situation come to him instead of him saying, you know, uh, I'm glad you contacted me. It's very nice to hear from you. I'm glad that you're well, but I'm married. And so I don't want to continue this conversation. Instead of doing that, it wrecked and it ended everything. If the situation comes to you, you have to figure out how to remove yourself from that situation. Listen, if you're in a conversation and it's nothing but dirty jokes or it's some... uh, a bad business dealing. You got to be able to change the subject. Many times people come to me and they want me to pray. And they're like, will you pray for my husband? Because he does this, 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 this. And like 10 minutes later, I realize you don't want me to pray for your husband. You just want to tell me all the bad stuff that he's doing. Right? You don't really want me to pray. You just want to gossip about him. So I have to, you have to steer the conversation or you have to remove yourself from that. The third one is, is that you may just have to, you have to state, you have to, you have to say it. You have to say, we, we can't have if, if this is the way the conversation is going to go every time I come over here, then then we have to end it. This is not going to go. This is not going to go well anymore. Even with your own family, we have people whenever we were leaving to start this church that say you got a good job, you got this, you got that. You, I don't think you should leave. I don't think you should go. And and we just had to end that conversation and say we're going to go do the will of God. If you remember Jesus, he told his disciples, he says, "I'm going to die. I'm going to leave." And Peter said, "You can't die. You can't go. You." can't leave and what did he tell peter his closest confidant he says get behind me satan because you're trying to keep me from doing the will of god sometimes your most closest people your friends or your family they'll try to that they, they have good intentions but they're trying to keep you in the place that you feel like this is not my place god's got something else for me Four types of people that the Bible warns us to steer clear of. The last thing I'll say, and I'll have to close, is God will reward your boundaries. If you'll set boundaries, God will reward them. If you'll stand up for righteousness, if you'll stand up for Jesus, He will reward your boundaries. In the Old Testament, Joseph was working at Potiphar's house, and Potiphar had a good-looking wife. Man, she was good looking. How you know she's good looking? Because he was just a high ranking, rich official. And no matter what he looked like, they usually wind up with really pretty wives. And this really beautiful woman came to Joseph and started ripping his clothes off. I mean, I remember that story. Started ripping Joseph's clothes off. And the Bible says here, last verse I'll read you. Genesis chapter 39, it says, She pestered him day after day this didn't just happen once day after day she pestered him but he stood his ground he refused to go to bed with her but on one of these days he came into the house to do his work none of the household servants happened to be there she grabbed him by his cloak and she's saying sleep with me sleep with me ripping his clothes off but the bible says he left his coat in her hand and he ran out of the house day after day this tempter this immoral this person trying to get him to go to bed with her how many of y'all know it's pretty tough i'm sure this this is happening day after day And, and finally it came to a head and because of this he lost his friend potiphar was his friend he lost his job he lost his freedom what's that mean whenever you set boundaries it may cost you a friendship It may cost you your job. 
I'm not going to do that. It's unethical. You may lose your job. You may lose your best friend. You, you may lose, uh, in this case, he lost his freedom. I don't know if you realize it, but there's people all across this planet today that will be killed because of Jesus. They'll be killed. They'll either be burned at the stake or they'll have their head cut off. Why? Because they won't renounce Jesus. They'll say, we need you to be Muslim. I'm not going to be Muslim. I'm making a boundary. And they say, very well, off with their head. In the short term, it may cost you if you if you if you follow your boundaries. You may lose a friend. You may lose a job. You may lose a promotion. You may lose your freedom. You may lose your life. But if you finish reading the story of Joseph, he comes right out of that. Out of that situation, God puts him at the very top. He makes him second in command. Only to Pharaoh. Any person that loses their life for Jesus. Because they stood their ground. I believe they'll have a special place. A special reward in heaven. God will reward your stand. He will reward your boundaries. Whenever you say I'm not crossing this line. I'm not going to let that get into me and affect me. Praise God. How many of y'all received that this morning? Come on, I know sometimes it's strong medicine. Sometimes you still, you got to evaluate. You're like, well, what about these people in my life? What about these people in my life? Listen, I'm telling you, just listen to the Holy Spirit. He'll help you navigate, show you relationships, who you're always enabling that you need to say, it's useless for us to keep going down this road. Could be a job, a friendship, a dating relationship, boyfriend, girlfriend. And you just see, you know, they're just too angry. They're too immoral. That they're just not, they're not going the direction that I want to go with my life. Just make some boundaries. Stand your ground. God will reward you. Let's pray together this morning. Thank you, Father God, for 